Uh, let's see here. Let's see if I can get Doc in. What's going on, man? Hey, man. Hey, I love your haircut. Wow. Uh, thank you. Thank that's you. That's a new. That's a new style. It's for a. You, it's it? a new style, and um, yeah. I, I went. I went different. Uh, I wanted to try something new, and uh, you. You know, I think people will uh, get a kick out of this. But my my hairstylist found a a a new part for me. And uh, it is a new part. It's a new it part. A new part. Um, you know, yeah, normally I like it. it. Looks almost like skateboard. You know? <laughs> normally I'm that way, but now I'm that way. And um, oh. so we found a, a new part um, in the crown, and <laughs> and I'm happy to kind of uh, roll with that. Yeah, it makes you look young. It really does. How was your How was your day today? Great. Had a busy day. Great day, and getting ready for Thanksgiving. How about you? You gonna come home and eat? Turkey with us? Yeah, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna head in tomorrow night, um, and uh, hopefully stay with you guys. Is that is that still cool? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely, cool. definitely cool. I don't know. I don't know how Ike will be. You know, so hopefully Ike cool. will come on the show. Yeah, Ike's sitting right over here, so we'll we'll get Ike in here tonight. <laughs> we'll sit around and watch some Hallmark movies tomorrow night, Ben. Some did you know this is a fun little? Uh, we're a big uh, Santa Claus family uh, with Tim Allen, and uh, they have a new series out on Disney Plus. Did you know that? No. Yeah, it's called the really? Santa Santa Clauses. Uh, uh, oddly enough, oh. I've gotten into it. Um, who would have thought? Yeah, I'll have to watch that. Yeah, I'm into this. I like a new series. Disney like Plus. A series. <laughs> uh, Tracy, uh, happy early Thanksgiving to you. Thank you for being here. Rita, happy Thanksgiving. Terry, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Bianca, is that true? Yeah, I think. Bianca's saying you and I are looking more and more alike. Um, I don't know we if We are? Yeah, are you getting... I wish my hair looked that good. I really... I can't do that with my hair, you know, like you do. Uh, you could do it. You just got to spend... You just got to put a little bit more time into it. And, um, yeah, you maybe know, I could train my hair to do that. Give it a chance. Give it yeah. a chance. Yeah. Do you have to use a blow dryer on that or does it just comb out? <laughs> no. <laughs> you no. have to use any Dapper Dan, like Dapper Dan? I do. I do use some Dapper. Or? I do use some Dapper Dan. I don't blow dry it. Um, yeah. I love Dapper <laughs> Dan. I mean, you know, uh, well, we'll pop that. I know they're not here to, uh, they're not here to to hear about my no. uh, my grooming uh, regimen uh, for my hair. They're here to get some some health and wellness information. So, guys, if y'all have a okay. question for Dr. Rogers, go ahead and put those in the comments. Um, we're going to get to every single question tonight. Uh, welcome everybody into the Performance Medicine Show. Um, let's start uh, with a aspirin question. This came over on Instagram. Um, how do you feel about aspirin to prevent heart slash stroke issues in your forties? Good question. I like it. You know, if you watched my video today, my podcast, um, with, uh, a cardiologist, Dr. Dan O'Rourke, um, we talked about that a little bit, uh, because I certainly am a believer in taking an 81 milligram aspirin, um, you know, per, to prevent heart attack and strokes. I've been doing it since I was 40. And I think it's a great idea, especially if you have some risk factors. Um, usually I'll put men on it at 40, women at 50. As a general rule, unless they have an ulcer or they bruise too easily or they, um, or if you're really old and ataxic to where you're going to fall and hit your head. But 
Um, there's just so much evidence to um, to read about that it's helpful. Um, most of the cardiologists I know take one, and it's it's kind of controversial, you know, just like vitamins. Every once in a while, a report will come out saying it doesn't help. Um, you know, you just see some ridiculous things out there, but um, in all, all in all, we know it's a blood thinner and it, it causes your blood um, not to clot, especially in these, you know, um, viral days that we've had in the last two and a half years. It's a great idea to take an aspirin uh, to prevent blood clots. Um, but and there's also some good evidence that it may uh, reduce your risk of colon cancer by about 40%. So, you know, you should take that at odds anytime. So unless you have a good reason not to, if you have risk factors for being, you know, for uh, heart disease or stroke, which is all caused by atherosclerosis, um, usually caused by soft plaque that ruptures and forms a clot. That's how most heart attacks and strokes come about. Not all, but the majority. So I think it's a great idea. You know, and if you have a problem with it, um, like you bruise too much, or your stomach hurts, um, then don't do it. But certainly um, if you have risk factors and get to that age, because, hey, age is um, the main risk factor for almost anything that we see. Um, I was talking to Dr. O'Rourke, who's a cash-based cardiologist. You know, the first one I've heard about, um, he took a big leap of faith and um, gosh, he's really good. He's, he's helped a lot of our patients out already. You know, when can you get in to see a cardiologist the next day and get a complete heart workup? I mean, it's just fantastic what, uh, what he's doing. So, um, and he has offices in Johnson city and Greenville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So it's such a good podcast. I really enjoyed talking with him about, you know, medicine in general, not just, uh, cardiology, but, um, why we do a cash practice, why I've been doing a cash practice for 17 years and, you know, how much it's made my practice better and it's made me a better doctor and, um, go listen to that podcast. Um, it's a really good one. One of my favorite parts of that, uh, conversation was, uh, was the part where you ask him, you know, how would you work this? Uh, it was a, the example was a, was a female, um, who, um, I believe had, had some symptoms, um, I believe just fatigue, um, things of that nature. And, uh, you asked him how he would work, uh, that patient up and it was fascinating, uh, just the, the detail in, in which he went into it. It's really cool. It really shows you, um, how they think as providers. It was cool. Uh, I really, I really liked that one. Yeah, if you if you're extremely fatigued or you you're not breathing like you used to, then you need to get your heart checked out. Um, I saw a guy like that in the office today. His EKG uh, was okay, except for some sinus tachycardia. But I think he probably has some underlying heart issues, and we're going to send him for a workup. Um, fortunately, he was not having heart attack today. But uh, you know, I'll tell people always this is this is a a board question for any doctor or medical student. Um, what is the most common symptom of a present, presenting heart attack? Do you know that answer, Ben? 
Well, I do. I, I do just because of the, the podcast episode today. <laughs> but okay. I did mention that. Sudden death. Sudden death. Yeah. That's the most common presenting symptom of a heart attack. Sudden death. So that's why you want to get it worked up and maybe take your aspirin and make sure your blood pressure is good and, you know, get your CT calcium score and your Cleveland heart panel. Um, because atherosclerosis is a, a process that everybody, every one of us has starting from our teenage years or building up plaque in our arteries. Um, is that so, what that word means? Is that what? Is that what that word means? Atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis means building up a plaque. Yeah, hardening arteries. Yeah, Hmm. it is. Super interesting. Great conversation. Uh, Definitely recommend you guys checking out that conversation with Dr. O'Rourke and Nolan Hensley. Um, Let's get to the next question here. This is um, this is timely. Um, what vitamins and or meds would you recommend to treat, uh, the flu? You know, that's a great question. And whenever you start coming down with a cold, a sore throat, flu, anything, whether it be bacterial or viral, um, I always, I always really pop up the vitamin D. That's the first one I do. Mm-hmm. And I'll take 50,000 of D every day for five days for any adult. 50,000 units of vitamin D. That's not too much, believe me, for five days. And then I'll double up on the C. I usually recommend you take one to 2,000 vitamin C tablets twice a day and zinc 50 milligram. Um, Plus there's a lot of other stuff you can do. That's herbal, like elderberry may help. There's a lot of evidence that it does. Uh, So those are the main ones, D, C, and zinc. Um, and then drink a lot of water, drink a lot of fluids, get out in the sun if you can get some fresh air. And, um, certainly, you know, if you think you're coming down with a flu, get a flu test. Mm. You know, we, we treated several cases today over the phone. Boy, telemedicine has been fantastic. Um, we treat a lot of people via telemedicine these days. Mm. It's really convenient and, um, they don't have to come in, especially when they're sick. Uh, we can usually tell what's going on with them. So get a get a flu test because we can use, you know, antivirals like Tamiflu if it's if it's flu. You know, we have ways to treat this. So, but those are the main ones um, to think about. It's a great question, uh, Vicky. I see your question. Thank you so much, uh, Kathy. I see your question, Mark. What's up, man? Great to see you, uh, Chuck. I see you, man. Thank you for being here. Um, okay, let's get to uh, this. Is also this is a very interesting question. Um, I know several people that have been diagnosed with hypokalemia, which is low potassium. They seem to have developed sometime after having had COVID-19. Can you tell me the cause slash connection between low potassium and COVID-19 and then what can be done? Yeah, that is a good question. And we have seen some of that. I've seen quite a few uh, people with COVID and, and after COVID for even several months that have had hypokalemia, low potassium. And the, the cause connection, nobody really knows for sure, but there's been a lot of postulations about it, whether um, those people um, 
don't eat the correct, they don't eat right, you know, COVID can definitely cause some digestive issues, especially diarrhea. And um, you can certainly lose potassium by getting diarrhea. Um, you know, even decreased oral intake, a lot of people lose their taste and smell with it. So their, their appetites decrease. They don't eat as much and get the potassium through their foods. Um, one, one thing that I've thought about and read about that is really interesting that may be the major cause, I don't know, but, you know, when COVID-19 hits you, it, it really enters your cells through this thing called an ACE2 receptor. Um, you know, we always talk about ACE inhibitors, which are blood pressure medications. And, but that's the way this, this virus gets into your cells is through the ACE2 receptor. Angiotensin converting enzymes, what it's called. And it gets kind of deep in the woods, kind of complex. But um, that, that angiotensin renin system that you think that, you know, is responsible for regulation of most blood pressures, which it is, um, when the virus gets in there and kind of interferes with that enzymatic process, then um, it has a lot to do with uh, potassium uptake as well. Um, and so a lot of people think that that's the reason why these people have low potassium. And again, low potassium can cause uh, cardiac arrhythmias. Um, you know, it can cause you to feel really tired. The main deal is cardiac problems. And I suspect it's caused a lot of them. Um, the treatment's pretty simple. You give potassium and you monitor it. So if anybody comes into my office, um, I had a guy like that today. Uh, that, and I drew a stat um, metabolic panel on him. Fortunately, his potassium was okay. But he, he was definitely having some long COVID symptoms, pretty severe. And uh, enough to make me worry. I, I even did an EKG on him and the stat blood uh, test. But so you just give potassium, which is over the counter, you know, probably 20 milliequivalents is about the average dose and then make sure it's corrected. And again, that uh, hypokalemia could last uh, for a few months. It really could. Hmm. And it may in fact be responsible for some of the long COVID symptoms that were that we're seeing. So definitely you need blood work. Hmm. Um so great question. You know, you must be taking a deep dive into that because we have seen that. Uh, great question there, guys. Welcome, everybody, into the Performance Medicine Show. Uh, as you know, we're taking live questions tonight. We're getting ready to dive into the comments here. So if you have a question uh, for Dr. Rogers, go ahead and put in the comments for us. Uh, D. Lynn, One other I thing, Ben, I was, think I was thinking about that I want to mention is that when you think about potassium, we see a lot more hypokalemia in women than men. Hmm. Uh, sometimes it's because they're on a diuretic. Women tend to retain fluid easier. So it may be because some, a lot of them take diuretics, but it's, it's, I see that more in females than I do males. It's an interesting note. Can you say that word one more time? I know it was in the question. Uh, it is hypokalemia. Hypokalemia. So you see uh, more of that in women? Yeah. Okay. I do post COVID. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for that question. And that's going to do it for the questions that came in throughout the week. Uh, if I missed you, if you sent in a question and I didn't get up there, please uh, don't be afraid to shoot me an email right now. I'm, I've kind of got my, my eyes on, on all the different contact points. So uh, I apologize uh, in advance if I've missed somebody. 
uh, but I'll have an eye out uh, for my email. It's been at performancemedicine.net if you want that question uh, in anonymously. Uh, but if you're, if you're okay with it, go ahead and put your question in the comments. And uh, we're going to get to a few right here. Uh, Robin, happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you for uh, hanging out. Uh, Brenda and George, I see you. Coal miner's daughter, great question. I see you. Um, all right, let's jump in and see what we got here. Um, I believe I saw one from uh, Bianca, if I can find it. Uh, there we go. From Bianca, uh, what do you recommend for restless leg syndrome and leg cramps at night? If you answer magnesium, uh, what's the dosage? I know this is something that, uh, that a lot of people deal with. So uh, thank you, Bianca, for, for yeah, bringing this up. Yeah, that's a great question. And you're right. The, the first thing I think about is taking some magnesium. Um, and I really prefer, uh, magnesium malate. Um, that's, that's my favorite form for cramping. There there's about nine different types of magnesium, but that seems to be the one that I like the best for, for, for cramping, you know, and, and restless leg and, and seem to be associated with leg cramps a lot. They're kind of different, but you know, if it's true restless leg syndrome, then a lot of times we have to go to a, a prescription medicine like Mirapex. Um, but in general, the, the general dose of magnesium is four to 500 milligrams. Um, you know, I think the malate may be a little different milligram. I'll have to look and, and check that out. But uh, because 500 of citrate may be equal to a little bit less of malate. But And when you know you're taking too much magnesium is if you get diarrhea with it, then you need to back off on the dose. But uh, restless legs are pretty common disorder. Nobody really knows what causes it. Um, leg cramps, of course, can be caused by low potassium for one thing, and, and more commonly low sodium. So some people that don't eat enough salt will get leg cramps. Um, another over-the-counter thing you can do for leg cramps is quinine, which you can get in tonic water. But uh, for restless leg syndrome, if, you, if nothing over-the-counter works, you may try um, a medicine called, it's a prescription medicine called Mirapex. That's probably the most common one that I see. But people that have restless leg, they just move their legs all night long, like they're running. Do they know Drives they're doing their, it? Um, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but their partner who's in the bed with them will know it. And sometimes they just, they wear the sheets uh, just out because of that constant uh, motor movement. Yeah, there's Katie. It's 115 milligram of mag magnesium malate, which is equal uh, to about 500 of the magnesium citrate. So thank you. I knew it was a little bit lower dose, but um, it's more bioavailable than uh, the mag citrate. Um, but that's a great question. It's really common. That's one reason why, um, I like wearing my aura ring. It, it tells you how restless you were at night, how much motor movement you had, what time it was, uh, if it's associated when, when you had low oxygen saturation. So it's, it's, it can be a clue as, as to whether you may have, um, sleep apnea. Um, uh, that is a, Great question. There's a lot of wives' tales and over-the-counter things you can do for it, um, but try the magnesium malate, and uh, especially if the other forms of magnesium aren't working for you, uh, maybe some quinine, um, 
and then make sure you check your electrolytes, you know, do some blood work to make sure sodium and potassium and renal function are good. And then if that doesn't work, you may have to go to some, some of the uh, more potent, even Parkinson's medicine. That's what Mirapex is. And sometimes I even use it just to relax or like clonopin, which unfortunately is a long-acting benzodiazepine. So you have to think about habit-forming nature there. And sometimes I'll, I'll use a mild muscle relaxer uh, that sometimes works. Uh, Tenizidine is probably my favorite with that. It'll help your rest as well, um, especially if you have a lot of uh, muscle spasm in your lower back. That seems to work pretty well. So I hope that helped you. Uh, those are some things that you can try. What What is the... What are you looking at for a restless leg in your aura ring? I'm looking at my 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 sleeve from last night. Is it which which is it uh, restfulness? Is Movement. that the actual? Yours yours probably doesn't do it. Yours is a Gen One. Uh, mine's a Generation Two. But so the, what does it shows? What does the Gen Two show? It shows uh, uh, oxygen saturations, which a Gen One doesn't show. And I'm looking at mine right now. Um. And it correlates with your breathing regularity. Yours probably doesn't have that, Ben. So breathing, it, breathing regularity, that's uh, tied yeah. to it, restless? Well, well, that's one thing, but it also, mine shows movement. And last night I had no significant movement during your rest. Really? So I had a pretty good night's sleep last night. There's my, if you want to look at it, can you see that? Uh, that was a pretty good night's sleep. I'm telling you, it shows. You look great. Like, you look well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Yeah, my sleep was 89 last night, which I rarely get an 89 on that, so it's pretty good. Guys, that's, go, put your questions in, guys, because Dr. Rogers is in peak shape right now. He got a great night's sleep, and he's ready to answer some questions. So uh, he got an 89. My brain's working. My brain's working good because of my... You know, I love this aura ring. You really ought to consider giving it to some people for Christmas. My, my They're about $300, but I love my aura ring. I mean, it just tells me so much about, you know, what I should do. I mean, you know, I had, uh, I had a good report, and it'll actually tell you if you need to go hard that day or you need to kind of recover. So I just love my aura ring. Um, you know? Just to give you an idea, my sleep score was a 65 last night. Wow. I, my readiness That's is 74. But um, but uh, Katie just mentioned this. Mine is a Gen One, and it's a um, it is a hand me down. So shout out to all the to all the hand me down Aura Ring users uh, like myself. If if Carter's here, I think she's she's one of us. You know, a, a hand me down Aura Aura Ring uh, user. Um, let's get to Chuck's question. Um, Chuck is saying, good evening. I'm taking gabapentin as a sleep aid. A lot of sleep questions tonight. Um, I have read it can cause weight gain. Is this true? And if so, can I stop it cold turkey? Great question. Yeah, it definitely can cause weight gain. Um, you know, I'm not sure I would use gabapentin as a sleep aid. You know, we use that medicine. I put somebody on it today for diabetic neuropathy. But, um, you know, <coughs> it's... It's pretty potent because it makes a lot of people tired. That's why you're using it for sleep. But a lot of people get dragged out 
in the morning by it, depending on what dose you take. Um, you know, I usually start out at 100 milligram and work the way up from that if you need it for neuropathy. So for chronic pain and neuropathy, it works pretty good, but it definitely causes weight gain um, and fatigue. Now, it just depends on the dose and how long you've been on it. But, I mean, you could stop at cold turkey, and I don't think it, you're not going to have withdrawal seizures on it or something like that, like you would Xanax or one of the those types of medications. So you could, but if you're on you know, 300 milligrams. Some people take, you know, 1,800, 2,400 milligrams of that stuff. And if, you, if you're if you up on the dose, I would definitely taper off of it. And if you're just taking 100 milligram, you can just stop it. But if you're on 300, go down to 100 uh, for a week, then 100 every other night for a week, and then stop it. Um, but, so it's not, I don't think it's that hard to get off of. But I'm just not sure I would use it as a sleep aid, not unless you have some other reason you're using it. Um, but it can be a beneficial medicine, but it does have some side effects like weight gain. There's no doubt. Uh, Chuck, hope that helps, man. Um, let's get to, uh, let's see, where am I at? Um, let's go to Vicky's question, then I'll get to Kathy's. Um, Vicky's asking, what do you recommend for gastritis flare-up? Um, well, first thing I would do is look at what you're eating. You know, like my dad, doctor, used to tell me, if your stomach's hurting, quit eating. So give your stomach a rest. So eat a very bland diet for one thing. Um, but, you know, I'm not against um, if you think you it's too much acid or for or some kind of food has gotten, you know, your acid up and you have GERD reflux, then I'm not against using uh, even a PPI for a few days, you know, like uh, Nexium or Prilosec. You know, I prefer the H2 blockers like Pepsid. That's my favorite one there. So you can certainly do that. Um, even just putting a little bit of baking soda in water will calm it, calm your gastritis, but try to find out what's causing it and what your history is. Look at that. If you've had ulcers before, um, if it's chronic, you need probably need to get a workup, make sure you don't have a bacterial infection called H. pylori, but if it's just temporary and it's something you ate. I'm not against you using the acid blockers temporarily. Sometimes I use caraphate, which just kind of coats your stomach. You can always start out with uh, just a Pepsid AC. I mean, all all this stuff except for Carefate is over the counter. You can try it, but um, you know, avoid fatty, spicy, greasy foods uh, while you're trying to get over this, and eat a very bland diet. And hopefully, it's just an acute thing, and uh, it'll clear up really soon. But if you get into a lot of problems with your stomach and then you're you start doing a lot have bloating and irregular bowel movements you need you need that worked up um all right, robin Vic will tell you you need a gi map and i agree with her all right thank you so and much. a probiotic use some, use some digest shield i mean yeah. that's the best gut pill i've ever seen i started probably five people on it today um you know we start when people come into your office and they have brain fog, fatigue, they hurt a lot. And you look at their inflammatory markers and they're up. 
which was the case with one of my new patients today. Um, you know, a lot of inflammation. Um, you do you do everything you can to to find the cause of it and to calm that inflammation down. And uh, I put I put this uh, lady on Digest Shield, and uh, she'll do really well with it. It just covers a lot of the basis of this. It helps GERD. It helps gas bowel movements. It ha it just settles that gut microbiome pretty well. And um, I'm big on digest shield, as you know. For for this patient, did you recommend uh, two per day uh, or one after? Two one, per day. Two. Two so per day. Two biggest meals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you so much, Vicky, for that question. Um, let's get to to Kathy's question here. Um, what are your thoughts about the research saying that basically all long COVID patients have microclots and how to treat it? I understand D-dimer is not positive unless clots are breaking up. Do you do the following tested for it, testing for it at your office that could show it? A serum amyloid A, alpha-2 antiplasm, von Wildebrand factor, e-selectin, or PCAM? Uh, if I Man, you, you pronounced all those really well. Um, not routinely. You know, um, you can do a, an advanced uh, coagulation panel, but um, and those are things that could affect it. But you know, I've run a few of them, and I rarely find anything that's, that's positive out of them. And the insurance usually doesn't cover them, and it's very expensive if you end up paying for that. Um, but so, what I usually do is end up going ahead and putting people on aspirin, of course, and sometimes. Even with acute COVID, if you have a lot of risk factors, I'll put you on even Eliquis. And I usually, you know, we talked about aspirin before, 81 milligram, but if you're heavier, you need more than 81 milligram, um, especially for um, in a situation like this, if you have long COVID. But yeah, there's there's no doubt in anybody's mind that, that COVID was a, a blood clotting disorder. And that's how it killed most of the people. So anticoagulants are very helpful. I had patients that um, had positive D-dimers and I followed them. I had patients that I was sure had uh, blood clots, microclots, and had negative D-dimers, probably because of what you said, they're not breaking up, but certainly aspirin. Um, if you don't want to take aspirin, you know, natokinase, uh, lumbokinase, serapeptase, all are pretty, good natural blood thinners, you can, you can do that. May have some other benefits as well. But I usually don't take a deep dive into these because, um, you know, it's just, I rarely get a lot of positives on it. And then, um, you know, what are you gonna do? The same thing you just did. Um, you know, if somebody has Von Willebrands or some, you know, Factor C or uh, that type of thing. They're usually going to go see a hematologist anyway. Um, you know, I do people that have a positive uh, MTHFR genotype, um, the 677TT genotype like I do, are more prone to clots too. Those people ought to be on aspirin in my opinion, or at least one of the others like natokinase. Um, so that's a great question though. Um, there are a lot of panels that you can do that if you if you want to get real academic about it, you can certainly go searching for it. But um, 
you know, before I, I run any extensive extensive test, I like to kind of like to know what I do about it if they turn positive anyway. Something I'm probably going to do anyway. Mm. Put you on an aspirin, um, but then uh, if you got some really genetic type blood dyscrasias, and I'll send you to hematology uh, and let them work it up a little further Kathy, and determine whether you need a long-term uh, anticoagulant like Eliquis or something, Berlinta. Kathy, thank you so much for that question. I'm um, going to get to uh, Coal Miner's Daughter on YouTube. Um, do you think energy drinks contribute to heart attacks or other heart problems? Interesting. That's a good one. Well, you know, I, I think there's a lot of caffeine in them for sure. Uh, some people flush a lot when they take energy drinks because of the niacin in them. And you can you can overload even with vitamin B6. If you're taking a, a B complex that has a lot of B6 and you drink, start drinking a lot of energy drinks, you could overload with B6 and it could cause neuropathies and that type thing. But um, I certainly think it could be a factor. Um, you know, you're hearing recently about all the heavy snows up in Buffalo, seven feet worth, of, you know, one 24 hours, seven feet of snow. There, there were several deaths, people that uh, shoveling snow by having heart attacks. Um, and who knows, they may have been drinking energy drinks. Um, you know, if you overactivate your sympathetic nervous system, you could certainly cause some hypertension, uh, tachycardia, uh, and you could precipitate a heart attack. So be careful. I don't like those energy drinks a whole lot personally. I just don't like them. I like a little bit of coffee, you know, but everybody has their tolerances. Um, I think a lot of the people that drink energy drinks are kids. because uh, it, it, But it, it, it may interfere with your sleep at night too. And you know, I'm just not big on the energy drinks. Um, Really interesting uh, discussion there around energy drinks. Thanks so much for that, uh, coal miner's daughter, for putting that in there. Um, let's get to, to Brenda and George here. Um, what do you recommend for colitis? Um, gosh, it just depends on what kind of colitis. If it's ulcerative colitis, which is a very serious autoimmune disease, and, um, you know, it's basically inflammation of your colon and i mean some people even end up getting their colons taken out because of this so get on it early get a diagnosis usually you need a, a colonoscopy with a biopsy to determine what it is um, a lot of times you'll be having bloody stools and maybe even mucoid stools um, but i always put people on an autoimmune diet i've told the story before but uh, this this Several months ago, I had a 60-year-old lady that was just diagnosed with ulcerative colitis by her gastroenterologist, and um, he wanted to put her on methotrexate or Humira, and she looked up the side effects and what's the cost of the Humira, and she didn't want to do it. So she came to me to get my opinion, and I asked her a question that um, I knew the answer, but I just wanted to confirm it. I asked her if the... Uh, GI doc ever asked her what she ate? And of course the answer was no. Uh, so that's what I always start out with an autoimmune diet. You know, what you eat and see if you can calm it down, but get a diagnosis. A lot of people um, 
we use the heavy hitters like uh, methotrexate, uh, which is a chemotherapeutic drug, or even Humira, which is a biologic, they'll definitely calm it down. But again, they can have side effects um, like depressing your immune system or other uh, things. So, um, you know, get a diagnosis and find out why, and then um, treat with anti-inflammatory. Some uh, some people use sulfasalazine, which is the old Tommy way of treatment, um, which is a, a form of, believe it or not, it's related to aspirin um, to, to calm that down. But get a good diagnosis. And you have, if you have colitis, you really do need to see a gastroenterologist to see exactly what it is. Is it ulcerative colitis? Is it Crohn's? Um, you know, you need to get a, a diagnosis on that. And sometimes you have to end up taking uh, the heavy hitters. Um, you know, I like, again, I like LDN, low-dose naltrexone, if you want to think outside the box a little bit, um, which I use for a lot of autoimmune diseases. Um, what else do I like with that? Um, I, I, I usually like an autoimmune diet, which we have copies of in the office. Anything that will prevent inflammation of your, uh, the lining of your whole um, GI tract. But um, LDN, and there's one other I was thinking about using. I can't, um, can't remember, but I would definitely get some, a GI map and look, you know, and look at your gut microbiota. I would definitely take something like Digest Shield. Um, and try to balance that out and and look at it and um people that have ulcerative colitis can be prone to have colon cancer too so you definitely need screening um but think about uh low-dose naltrexone that's kind of one of those outside the box things that um that we use and i don't know why i'm blanking out on the other one that i sometimes will tell people to take um, oh, BPC-157, uh, that's a peptide that I like yeah. to use, um, another one that's kind of outside the box. So think about those, get a workup. Uh, Brendan and George, hope that helps. Um, we're going to go to uh, D. Lynn here on YouTube. Um, let's see, what do you know about Fabry disease? It's popped up in my husband's family. I'm going to request his doctor check him. I just don't know what to ask for. Uh, it was discovered when his cousin had a stroke. Um, I love these types of questions just in terms of like, you know, how do we talk to our doctor about uh, this? So I'd encourage anybody yeah. to think this way. Well, you, I don't know much about it, but, you know, I'd have to, that's something you read about a little bit in medical school, but you never see it. Mm -hmm. I know it's genetically uh, passed on, but, and it can cause a blood clotting disorder and cause strokes, but, I'm not an expert enough to tell you. I guarantee you, if you go on and start searching it, you'll know way more than I do by the end of this night. Uh, but definitely, um, you know, because your family doc's probably not going to know a lot about it. You're going to have to probably see a specialist. And even, um, like I had a patient today that has a young child that has um, uh, some problems with... Uh, having what they think was a stroke or cerebral palsy and, um, you know, is seeing a geneticist for it at Vanderbilt. So that's one of those things, those odd things that you probably need a, a real specialist 
to, to investigate. And, and uh, so I don't know much about it to, to be able to give you any good answers for that. You know, um, and I'm not sure how, you know, whether it's an autosomal recessive or I, I don't know much about it, but um, do your research and talk to, to somebody who, who does. Uh, thank you for putting that in there, uh, D. Lynn. And I've written that down. We'll, we'll kind of keep up with you and see how you're doing with that because um, I know that's, you know, any sort of uh, family member um, coming down with something like that, I know that can be send you down a rabbit hole. So uh, so we'll be thinking of you, D. Lynn. Um, okay, let's get to uh, Lisa's question. Um, with using a, a Libre like I do, I'm assuming this is a freestyle Libre, um, you can't take large slash high amounts of vitamin C because it will cause high blood sugars, le blood sugar levels. Would you know why? Well, I think if you're taking oral vitamin C in normal doses, it's not going to affect it. But it is true that if you're getting an IV vitamin C infusion, like we give in the office a lot, you can't check your blood sugar and have any, uh, you get any knowledge out of it because it's going to be off. You just cannot trust it when you're getting high-dose IV vitamin C. Um, so, again, if you're taking normal doses of vitamin C orally, I still think, you know, it'll work. Um, but I've had a couple other people ask me that same question. And um, I know with my two type 1 diabetic kids, they take vitamin C and they, you know, they have continuous glucose monitors and it doesn't seem to affect it. So... Um, but that's a great question because certainly high doses, uh, intravenously can definitely render those glucometer readings null. They don't mean, they don't mean much. And I wonder too, if, if Lisa's, um, also maybe coming from the perspective, I, I know a lot of people get their vitamin C through, um, through powder, like emergency. And, and I do think there's, there's sugar in emergency in there. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there probably is, but I don't, I don't think that's what she's talking okay. about. But, okay. Um, uh, well, Lisa, but she's right. If you're taking high doses of C in your vein, it can definitely affect your blood glucose numbers. Um, matter of fact, they may be opposite of what you think. That's interesting. Um, yeah, uh, really. Lisa, interesting. thank you so much for that. A uh, great question there. Um, okay. Let's get to, uh, let's see. Vicky's question with a thyroid question. Um, welcome everybody in. I know we're getting some some people uh, coming in. Welcome to the Performance Medicine Show. Uh, Vicky is asking 43 year old male with TSH level within range but low uh, 1.19. Should we follow up with any other thyroid tests and should we be concerned about this low result? And I, I hope I'm reading that result right. Uh, does that sound right? 1.19, I guess the TSH level is 1.19, which is pretty normal. It's not really low. I mean, normal on most labs is anywhere from 0.3 to 4. Um, but really, I like I like to have a TSH level around 1. To me, that's normal and optimal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you don't need to look at just the TSH. You need to look um, at the free T and the free T4 at the very least. Um, and again... When treating thyroid, I, I go a lot by symptoms. You know, sometimes I, I saw one like that today. Um, her TSH was 1.9, and but she had every symptom in the book of a low thyroid, family history of it, and 
I drew some more labs and I'm going to, I'm going to start her on a little bit of thyroid medication, uh, some NP thyroid, uh, at a very low dose because she's symptomatic. I mean, she's running a low temperature, body temperature. She's, um, constipated. She has dry skin, thinning hair, brittle nails, uh, cold hands and feet, um, fatigue, brain fog, weight gain. So, you know, in that case you treat symptoms. So, uh, so I look at symptoms, but if it's a TSH of 1.19 with no symptoms, I wouldn't worry about it, but certainly that's not a complete uh, thyroid panel. Mm. Um, but yeah, you should follow it, especially if they're symptomatic. Vicki, hope that helps. Thank you so much for uh, putting that in there. Uh, great question around the thyroid. Um, Kathy is asking, how have you tried, uh, sorry, have you tried oxytocin nasal spray to treat long COVID tinnitus? Uh, we, use, we use a lot of oxytocin in our practice. And again, if you can get the nasal spray, it probably works better than the, the oral or sublingual. Um, but no, I haven't treated it specifically for tinnitus. Uh, that's a hard, that's a hard thing to treat. I don't know that I've ever, um, treated that with anything that worked, uh, that really just a, an eye-opening <laughs> discovery. I just, it's just tough to treat tinnitus ringing in the ear. Um, gosh, that's a tough problem. I've had some family members with that and, mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes I end up getting a hearing aid to mask the, the constant ringing in their ears. Um, certainly if it's one-sided, you need to look at it a little more seriously than if it's bilateral, but, um, but no, but if it works, then, you know, we'll use it. Yeah. I'd like some feedback on that. If you, if you're having some positive results from it, um, you know, it's a lot of out of the box type things do work like, I did that podcast on uh, post-COVID loss of taste and smell and uh, have used nicotine gum for some of my patients. It's helped about 50% of the time. So, but yeah, let me know if you can get some good feedback on that. I don't have any experience with success with it for that purpose, but. Uh, thank you, Kathy, for putting that in there. We'll uh, follow up with you. Uh, welcome in Jasmine, uh, our esthetician in the Knoxville and Fountain City offices. So good Jasmine. to see you in here. Uh, she's got some specials uh, going on this week, so be sure to check out uh, our specials around skincare and aesthetics. Uh, thank you, Jasmine, for hanging out. Um, let's get to uh, this is a question from Mark that's that's uh, you know timely, and um, I think this tags it. Uh, tugs at all of our heartstrings. Um, every Thanksgiving, one in six people get sick. Uh, 128,000 uh, uh, 128, hospitalized and 3,000 died from foodborne diseases. What are the early signs to look out for, for what treatment measures to be considered? I hope that I, I, uh, I said that right. Um, seems that this is a Thanksgiving thing. Did I read that right, Pop? I think you did, yeah. What's your thoughts on this? It's very timely. Um, wow. I mean, I didn't, you know, I know, I know there's a lot of people that travel 48 million are going to travel tomorrow. I think, um, a lot of people are going to be killed by car wrecks. I think an estimated 550 people. I just saw that on the news. Um, 
Look who just came up. Mike wants to get on the show early tonight. Um, he wants me to play with him, I think. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's surprising that that many die from foodborne illness. Wow, that is scary. It makes me, um, makes me glad I'm not traveling for Thanksgiving. You know, I think the main danger of traveling for Thanksgiving is probably car wrecks. Mm-hmm. Um, either that or getting into an argument with your in-laws and it ends up as a, as a gunfight at your, uh, you know, your turkey dinner. You know, that, that happens a lot. <laughs> ben never thinks I'm funny. I throw a joke out and he's not even, he's not even responding to it. I think he's looking at other things, but <laughs> I was just kind of kidding about the gunfights at the, at the dinner table. That, that doesn't happen. Certainly there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that goes on with people getting into arguments, political arguments at the Thanksgiving day table, you know, so try to stay out of that this year, you know, don't, don't mention religion or politics at the, at the Thanksgiving dinner. That's right. You know, and don't criticize the way your, you know, your in-laws kids are or whatever. Just try to be nice on Thanksgiving. Just give thanks that you're all together. But um, so I didn't know that many people were, died from uh, foodborne diseases during, wow, I don't know if that's in the United States or worldwide. I guess Thanksgiving is uh, an American tradition, but um, early signs of being sick. I mean, if you get food poisoning, you're going to be sick within a couple hours usually. And it's going to be more than one, more than one person that's going to be sick. So Things you got to think about salads, um, especially potato salad, foods that have been left out too long. If they smell weird, if they taste weird, don't eat them. Um, certainly, um, I would always have some activated charcoal tablets around the house. You know, that's a really good measure for reversing food poisoning. So keep those around the house. And um, if one person getting sick, try to figure out what it is and, and keep everybody else away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he's really wanting to gnaw on my. Are we way into the podcast where he, he's here early tonight? He's here he? early. I don't know. I don't know what don't what he's know. so anxious about. Um, he just jumped up here, and you know what? It's may, okay, though. Maybe he knew that Robin's here. Robin Riddle, our nurse practitioner in the Knoxville office, is here. Uh, Robin, welcome dogs. in. Thank you for for hanging out with us this evening. Of course, you guys know hey, Rob. uh, Robin Riddle is the star of Explain This. Um, you can check all of her episodes out on our YouTube channel, as well as the Outside the Box podcast on Apple and Spotify. Robin, thanks so much for being here. We love you. Um, you. I want to put this up from um, from Terry. I uh, hope this helps some people. I love Digest Shield and Life, Life Extension also has a product called Esophageal Guardian, which uh, supports gastroesophageal health. I keep this for times when I have sudden and stubborn uh, reflux. Not especially pleasant to chew up, but works great. Thank you, Terry, for putting that in there. Uh, Like Terry did, guys. Uh, If you guys have anything that's really working well for you, uh, this is a community. Uh, Put it in the comments. We're as interested as uh, everyone in here watching. So, uh, Terry, thank you so much for putting that uh, in here. Um, let's see, you know, Jasmine's going to be taking her digest shield for Thanksgiving. Um, it looks like, uh, Matt's ready for Ike. And, you know, I think, um, I think Matt's only here for Ike. Uh, that's, that's the only reason Matt listens. He just loves Ike. <laughs> you know? I think uh, I'll send him over to his house to 
Maybe for Thanksgiving. Uh, Robin is putting in here, Slippery Elm is great for reflux too. Thank you for uh, adding that in there, Robin. Uh, It's a great suggestion. Uh, Anyone in here uh, thinking about reflux heading into uh, hopefully what is a a wonderful Thanksgiving lunch, dinner. We're going to be eating a little more than we're used to. Um, Let's see there. Sonia, is that... uh, what is that hey, around? Sonia. Uh, Sonia, great to see you. Uh, activated charcoal. Yeah, you can get those at really any pharmacy um, or, or vitamin shop. You could probably order them off of um, uh, Amazon. But yeah, it's just a great thing to have around, especially if you're going to be traveling. I could, you know, to, to a foreign country, especially where the water. As a matter of fact, I saw a patient today who had traveled to. Punta Gorda, I guess that's the name of it. Everybody except her family, uh, her immediate family in her hotel had food poisoning. Mm. And make sure you want to, or I'm giving Ike a treat here. Okay. That's how I think it'll settle him down. Look at those chompers. He really has some big teeth. Ike, you're he'll being, nibble you're, on you're you, but he won't boy, ever I... hurt you. He won't ever hurt you. So he's just a lot of fun. Uh, we're having He's getting some, big, too. He's getting really big. We're having some questions around Slippery Elm. Uh, if anyone knows in the comments where they're getting it from, where are you, where are you seeing Slippery Elm from, Pop? I have some in my, in my cabinet. Um, you know, um, gosh, I think I got mine at Max Medicine Mart. Um, and I'm seeing Robin saying that you can order the Slippery Elm lozenges online or most health food stores. Uh, so it seems we're looking for lozenges here. Uh, thank you, you know, so much. I think, I think people ought to also, like I talked about a home medical kit earlier, and, you know, and I think everybody ought to have a little Zofran around the house, sublingual mm-hmm. Zofran for nausea and vomiting, um, and also maybe a little Imodium if you've got terrible diarrhea. Again, I wouldn't take the emodium and, and you know unless you just couldn't stand it because I, i'd like you to clear it but for an acute viral gastroenteritis but i hope robin will probably agree with that but, um but anyway uh, those are things that are great i also like some ginger chews i have these little ginger uh chews that i get that really if you've got a little bit of, of heartburn and, um or nausea seem to help a lot ginger is just such a great product mm. I like ginger, um, but I definitely have some slippery elm in my in my little pantry and uh, activated charcoal for sure. Uh, Steve, hope you and and yours have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Please send uh, Sheridan our love and your whole family. Steve, thank you for being here. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and- Steve, happy Thanksgiving, and I'm going to start my journey towards. Uh, learning how to make uh, sourdough bread. Yep. I've got my starter. Thank you. And I'll be getting my journey on how to make some sourdough bread, which is the only bread I'm going to be eating um, in the future because it's really the only bread I, I like. And I don't, that keto bread, I just don't like the taste of it. I don't eat a lot of bread anyway, but certainly if I eat it, it's going to be sourdough. And since Steve has all the experience being a master, baker of that um i hope it's fun you know, it's gonna be my new hobby you know it, it was be. guitar playing but now it may be if it takes a lot of my time it may be turned into being a sourdough bread baker are you still you're, you're still know. you're still playing guitar though right 
Oh yeah, yeah, I've been playing a lot. Um, yeah. Well, um, well, Pop, I, I think learned a new Mo- I learned a new Molly Hatchet song the other night. Who's Molly Hatchet? Is it? See, I knew you'd say that because you're you're so young. I bet Steve knows who Molly Hatchet is. I have no idea who Molly Hatchet is. Um, Molly Hatchet it was an old Southern rock band. Um, oh, it's a band. You know, yeah, it's a it's a rock band. Yeah, interesting. Um, kind of like Almond Brothers, Leonard Skinner type. The Molly Hatchet was was a famous um, <laughs> famous rock band, and I won't tell you how they got the name Molly Hatchet because. Um, uh, it's not a real nice term, really. <laughs> you know what? I will tell you, since everybody's listening. <laughs> Molly Hatchet was the name of a famous prostitute who cut the heads off of her lover. She she decapitated them. Okay, I can't find the slippery elm, but um, yeah, look up Molly Hatchet. Actually, well, they're a great Southern rock band. Steve you learned a little bit of trivia here. Uh, Steve it, will know who they are. It seems Steve's, coal miner's daughter knows uh, knows Molly. Uh, Steve is more of a Dixie Dregs fan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we got we got Ike in the building. Uh, so Doctor Ike is here. That's that's our sign. Uh, I think he's ready to he's ready to, to play some games play. or something. Yeah, he wants to play. Um, he wants to watch some Hallmark movies. I think. <laughs> Ike, I'm gonna see you tomorrow, buddy. Um, guys, okay, I, I thanks, hope, man. hope everyone has a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, we appreciate y'all hanging out with us on this uh, busy Thanksgiving week. I'm gonna put this up one more time for the people. Now, don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.